opportunity, somebody else want to brag on the Lord right quickly. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Understand tonight, whenever we talk about the brook, this day and this hour, the greatest commodity of the, uh, of the moment was water. We find tonight that your brook could be a multitude of things. Your brook might be a job. Your brook might be health. Your brook might be finances. Your brook could be a lot of different things. We see in this story, first of all, the man, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived was Elijah. He was one of the, uh, the only man who was, had the honor of Enoch not passing through the valley of the shadow of death. We see his life testified for God in a midnight hour of the nation of Israel. And he was one that stood alone in the gap. I love this. Someone has said he comes on the scene like a thunderbolt across the sky. And I like that. Ahab and Jezebel's on the throne and they are his body's perverse and addicted to evil as any couple that ever reigned. I mean, they worship Baal and, and, and without going into a lot of details, Baal worship was, was really one of, of sensual perversion. And anything and everything that you could imagine in the realm of that went on under the worship of Baal. Someone has said, and I love this, the steel of the character of an individual is forged on the anvil of one's times. Often the darker and the more difficult the times are, the brighter the soul shines that stands against them. We were privileged to have men like Abe Lincoln that led us through the darkness of the Civil War. Men like Churchill who rallied the world in England against Hitler. Ezekiel Ryder said it well, for I saw it for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. God is still looking for some men that'll stand in the gap. And sometimes you just gotta stand alone. People of conviction and commitment uh, uh, and our hour even are considered strange and, 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 and unusual. They was in that day as well. Matthew Ryder said this, so let, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I believe God's still looking for some people that are not ashamed to let their light shine in a dark, dark world. Would you agree with me our world's getting darker? I mean, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? His name was a Tishbite. The word Tishbite means a converter. Isn't that amazing? I love the Bible, and when you begin to realize what their names mean, it means converter. He, and his ministry was that to convert people to the Lord. We see the man, we see the message. Pretty clear one. He said this, hey man, it's not gonna rain until I say it's gonna rain. He said, there's not going to be dew. There's not going to be rain. And God has told me 
we're going to take the speaking and shut it off to where none's going to come. I know we don't believe this, but God might be tying down some speakings in our world and in our nation. And he said, it's not going to rain till I say so. God's judgment would expose Baal as the fake it was. Because Baal's God was the Lord of the rains and the crops. Isn't it amazing? We see the method. I love this. Elias in James 5, 17 was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed. That's a method. Earnestly, that it might not rain, and it rained not on earth by a space of three years and six months. Three and a half years, God turned the spigot off to this world and said, it's not going to rain. Not only that, but note, in this story, difficulty came to everyone. Um, I think sometimes we get this notion that when God judges a nation, somehow or another we're going to skirt out from under it. I will show you how that it, we are different, but I will say this, difficulty came to everyone. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 45, that uh, he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Can I say this? When God stops the rain, he stops the rain on the just and the unjust. He didn't rain in Elijah's house either. We find in the word of God, God's divine law of sowing and reaping does not change. And so judgment and difficulties come to everyone. Well, not, but I, I read something else. I love this. Joshua and Caleb, uh, when they went in and looked at the land, when they went in and uh, inspected the land, they came back with a great report. Man, we take the land. Everything God said he would do, he would do. It's there. But can I just say this? For the next 40 years, Joshua and Caleb didn't get the land either. For the next 40 years, they was put on hold. Now God took a generation out. They gradually got it, but they fell under the same judgment in some ways that all the rest of For 40 years, they didn't possess land. But notice, difficulty comes to everyone. But notice the difference in Elijah. And here's the difference. God gave him supernatural help. You say, uh, well, what was the supernatural help? Let me tell you what the supernatural help was. The supernatural help was God knew where the water was. So first of all, he was guided by the Lord. And the word, word of the Lord came unto him saying, Get thee hence and turn eastward, and thyself by great Cherith, that is before Jordan. Don't miss this. He, God, the supernatural help was in God telling him where the water was. Well, preacher, I just tell you, you can't find a job today. God knows where one's at. I know the heart. If you don't believe the heart, ask Eddie. He'll tell you. The heart. But God knew where a job was for him. Uh, many of the others. 
You lost a job. You said, man, it's hard. You can't buy one. God knows where one's at. Can I just say this? If your brook dries up, God knows where water's at. He, he knows exactly. For three and a half years, God has turned the water off. Oh, and I won't take time to read it, but the truth is that Ahab, he'd had a whole crowd out looking and searching everywhere, hunting water. Don't, don't miss this. Everybody's hunting water. And all God does, he said, uh, Elijah, yes, sir, I want you to go over here by the brook. Sheriff, there's water over there. He said, he knew exactly where it was. I love this. Obedience right in the midst of a famine. Obedience right in the midst, right in the middle of a famine. First Kings said, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. Not only that, but he said, I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So not only was he guided by the Lord, but he was gifted by the Lord. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and drank the brook. I love this. I was, I was listening to, to a preacher, and I, I love this. And, and I, not, He might be right, and I hope he is. I hope he is. He, he was talking about, you know, he got the big wedding. He said, bless God, God sent them ravens to Ahab's house. He flew in, took the bread and the meat off Ahab's table and brought to Elijah. I love that. But good preaching, but ravens, and this is, don't, don't, don't let this make you sick, but ravens only, they, they went after roadkill. Dead, rotten flesh. I don't think God, they bought him dead, rotten flesh, but that's what ravens did. When a raven was let out of the ark, they landed on dead, rotten flesh. So I don't know what exactly he brought him. I love this, but disappointment became evident. Difficulty comes to everyone. Some of you need to get a hold of this because you're saved. If God's judging our world, we're going to get in on it. Are you listening? Because you're saved does not mean we're not going to go through some of the same judgment that God sees fit to send on our nation. And, and you say, well, I, that's not fair. I, I think it probably is because when they started passing laws and doing all this stuff and killing babies by the hundreds and thousands, we were tight-lipped. We were busy making money. We were busy doing all our things. We are busy buying houses and cars. We said Nothing! And now we're groaning because of the judgment that God may very well be sent. Disappointment became evident. Came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. Now, don't miss this. The brook is not supernaturally sustained. God did nothing supernatural to the brook. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us why it dried up because it's not rained. It's not rained. And the brook dries up. Are you listening? There's some things God's not going to supernaturally move in and act on. And we find here, now it wasn't just he walked out there one day and had a brook. Oh no. What happened? It was a process. And it came. Notice what the Bible says. And it came to pass after a while. And see, oh, Elijah going out there every day and 
He said, hmm, that brook looks a little thinner today. Don't look quite as much as it was. The next day he goes out there and now he's noticing it. He might have even stuck up a little stick where the water was and the next day the water has recessed a couple inches from the stick and it's gotten smaller. After a while, he gets smaller and no doubt, I think he's probably as good as Baptist are. God, what are you doing to me? Lord, you brought me here. Why is my blood drying up? Well, Elijah, it ain't rained. It's not rained, Elijah. It just ain't rained. And finally, the unbelievable happens. It dries up. There's nothing there. Now, directions come eventually. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Rise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, here's my question. Now, God, you sent him to the brook. You've already prepared a widow woman over here to take care of him. God does not react. God acts. You've already got a widow woman over here planning, making preparations. You've got it already in place. Why let the brook dry up? If God You've got the next job for me and I believe you do and I believe you gave me the last one I had and I believe you got me the next one. Then why'd you let me lose the one I had? Why, 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 what's this, what's going on here? Why, why ain't I got a job now? Why's my brook dried up? God, I was faithful in, in, uh, my tithing and my missions and God I'm going to be faithful next month with my tithes but, but God boy the finances is tight man the brook is drying up why is it drying up let me give you three reasons that I believe it's a drying up number one he wants to instruct us he wants to teach us God allowed the brook to dry up because he wanted to teach Elijah. Don't miss this. Are you listening? You're going to need this. See, some of you won't need this here tonight. But I promise you something. If you'll put this in one of them spiritual court jars, no, no, this is good stuff. Put it in a half a gallon jar and put a good lid on it and put it on the shelf. I promise you you live long enough, your brook's going to dry up. Health's going to go. Finance is going to get thin. I mean, jobs are going to slow down. You, you may not have a job. I, I'm going to tell you, your brook can dry up. And you, you're going to need this. So let me, let me tell you, if you don't need it now, put it in a jar. Put it on the shelf of your heart. I promise you, you're going to need it. Number one, he wanted to instruct him he wanted to teach him. Here's the lesson he wanted to teach him. He does not want Elijah trusting the brook. And God doesn't want you trusting 
your brook. God's wanting you to trust the God of the brook. God is wanting us to trust Him. And you know what? Sometimes to do that, He has to, He just has to dry up our brook and it's no longer there for us to trust in. So He dries it up. You've heard this story, but you look like you need to hear it again. That was many, many years ago. It's probably been now 20, or I guess it's probably been longer than that. It's, I know it's been at least 20 years. I thought I would get a job and, and help God pay the bills and, and I'd, I'd help John. I, I mean, when the money issue, I'd, I'd just go and go to work and I'd go to help God out. You know what? He brought my book up. Big, and one time broke my back, put me flat on my back. And they put me in a shell. I looked like a turtle. Had a hard shell. I mean, one thing from here to about here, down my back, and it, it was hot, it was terrible. And I wore that thing for six months. And God was saying, I don't want you trust in that. I want you trust in me. So God dried it up. Bless God, I could have done nothing barely to get to church and back. God dry your brook up. Because sometimes we trust in this. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't hurt nobody and embarrass nobody for nothing in the world. The greatest statement I ever heard in this church, and I said, God, thank you. Thank you. Greatest place you can ever be. Here was a statement made. We have never had to trust God before, I guess we're going to have to do it now. And I want to shout. I want to have me a running fit. You know why? Because that's what God wants to get all of us to. And as the brooks dry up, do you, do you realize that I think God's drying up the brooks of our economy in this world? Oh yeah. In 70s and 80s, you could quit a job, how far before the nightfall if you wanted to work. If you weren't lazy and you wanted to work, you'd get a job anywhere, any place. I mean, and God started cranking it up in our nation and quickly, quicker than you can imagine. Can I just say, God can shut this economy down in one moment's time. I don't think we realize something because we, we got our head in the sand. Right now, the nation of China is doing everything they can to get the world's money determined not from American dollar, but from a Chinese yen. You realize if they do that, what's going to happen? You realize that all of a sudden, your money and my money will become very worthless in a global market, and even in this nation. God can do that in a heartbeat. You know why? God wants you to not trust the brook. God wants you to trust Him. In Romans chapter number 1, I asked a young man this this morning. I hope he did. I'm going to answer the question for him. In Romans chapter number one, I, I've heard many, some of you have said this and some of you believe this, but can I help you? The great sin of Romans chapter number one is not homosexuality. 
that's not your great sin. Didn't start with that. Homosexuality was a symptom of the sin that happened before that. Here's the great sin of Romans chapter number one. Because that, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God and neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen, he said. For this cause. What cause? They have made themselves God, not God, God. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even though women did change the natural use and that which is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burning their lust one toward another. Men with men, that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves recompense of their error which was meet. Here's the great sin. The great sin is this. They're worshiping God's creation over the creator. That's the sin of Romans chapter number one. This other stuff is a symptom of that. That's what happens Whenever we come and we begin, you know why some of you flip out when the finances gets tight and you start struggling, you fall all to pieces. I, I, I don't know, I don't know anything about your house, so if this is happening, God help you. But I mean, some of you, you go crazy, you get meaner in a junkyard dog. You don't know what to do because you're trusting the brook instead of the God of the brook. God knows where there's water. God knows where it's at. Samson, after lying in the lap of a woman who sold him out. Don't miss this. Delilah's a set up. Don't miss that. And when she told him everything in his heart, Samson, here they come. They're going on you. He jumps up and the Bible says, and the Bible says, he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. You never hear Samson say, Lord, help me. No, he's trusting his strength instead of the God that gives the strength. Here tonight, it's amazing. A.W. Tozer said something, and uh, it's, it's just it's so good. He said this, Before the Lord God made men upon the earth, he first prepared for him a world of useful and pleasant things for his substance and delight. The Genesis account of creation, these things are simply called things. They were made for man's use and they were always meant to be external and a blessing to him. In the deep heart of a man was a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. 
God, without a thousand gifts, he had showered upon them. But sin has made those very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. Our woes began when we forced God out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter in. Within the human heart, things have taken over. Men have no peace in their hearts. God's not crowned there any longer. And there the stubborn and aggressive things fight for the first place on the throne. And I say, amen. That's exactly where we're at. First thing God says by drying up your book is this. He's wanting to instruct us. He's wanting to teach us not to trust the brook, but to put your confidence in him. Second thing he did was he wanted to inspect him. He's going to test him. He's going to test him. Elijah went out there and one day there's nothing but dust and dirt where a brook used to be. What? What's going on? What's happening? God said, now let me read you a passage. In 2 Chronicles, there's a king by the name of Hezekiah. In those days, Hezekiah was sick unto death. He prayed unto the Lord and spake unto him and gave him a sign and but Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. For his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him upon Judah and Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. Both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. After verse 26, you drop down to verse 30. This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper, upper water course of Gion and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all of his works. But notice, how be it in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who sent unto him to inquire the wonder that was done in the land. I, I want you to listen. Listen, Sapphi seven, wake up. Listen what God did. God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. There are times God dries up the brook to see if you're really, if you're real. You gonna continue to serve him? Are you gonna still be as faithful to him as you can? Are you, are you still going to be found in your place? Are you still going to do right when the brook dries up? Don't, don't, when the brooks are running over, it's easy to do right. But when the brook's drying up, it's a little harder. It's a little harder. And he tried him to see if he would continue to serve him. Sometimes God dries your brook up. God's dried my book up. It is amazing. I, I never get used to this. And, it, and I, I don't ask for this. It just happened. 
I've been working on the message and praying over it. And, and in the midst of that message, God brings some folks to my mind and, and, and uh, I say, okay, God, I, 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 and pray for them. And, and, and it stands amazed in me that how many times I'll come to church and those folks are not here. It's amazing how often that happens. And I wonder sometimes if God says, we still going to preach it? I'm glad we got a good crowd here tonight. We really do have a good crowd. I don't have to pray, God, blow your TV up now. I ain't tell a blessing. Amen. I, I, we got a good crowd here tonight. But I'm going to be very honest with you. And, and I'm so thrilled you're here. It encourages me. I'm not going to tell you it wouldn't be hard. But if I come in and the first four pews is all here and everybody else is God, guess what? I'd still preach. Are you still going to serve God? Are you still going to be faithful? Abraham was an old man when Isaac was born. And almost immediately, this child became the delight and the idol of his heart. As he grew, the old man's heart grew knitter, knitted closer and closer. He grew as close as a man could to his son. Until at last, it bordered on the perilous. And it was then that God stepped in to save both father and son. Here's what he said. Take thine son, said God to Abraham, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Don't you love that? He knew the depths of the love this old man had for that little boy. Get thee into a land of Moriah and offer them there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I'll tell thee of. The sacred writer bears the spares us agony of that aged old man that night as he told and offered, how in the world can I offer my son? If only God would just take me. God, I'd gladly go in his place. Then we find somewhere in the morning before the daybreak, he had settled in his heart. Okay, God, I'm going to do this. Hebrew writer tells accounting that God would be able to raise him up. Here's what he believed. He said, God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to believe you. When I'm done, you'll raise him back up. And so that morning he started. He took him up the mountain and laid him on the altar. And as he drew the knife at the last moment possible, God said, Abraham, stop! It's all right, Abraham. I never intended that you should actually slay the lad. I just need to remove him from the temple of your heart. Now you, you can have the boy now. And you can go back to your tent. But as he left that mountain that day, something had happened to Abraham. Abraham knew. Abraham knew that that boy could never have the place that he'd one time possessed. It's God's place. He knew as he went down and someone said, man, Abraham possesses everything. But he would smile at him and look and bow his head and realize, oh, I don't have anything but God. Someone said he owns cattle and sheep and herds and all this kind of stuff. His friend was, and he even got his son. 
He's got everything. Yet, Abraham would slip off in the words, my and mine. Never again had the same meaning for Abraham. The world said he's rich. The aged old patriarch said, all I've got there is God. See, God wants to inspect us. Abraham's testing. If he had taken any other course, the whole history of the Old Testament would have been different. Not for God. God would have had somebody. But it would have been different from Abraham. So we're brought to a testing place. And there's only two possible choices. We obey or disobey in the midst of it. God dried his brook up. Need to inspect him. Need to inspect him. To see, wanted to test him. The third thing he did, I love this. He wanted to impress him. Because he wanted him to trust him. And the word of the Lord came on him saying, now, this would be impressive to the world. Abraham, I mean, Elijah, I want you to rise and I want you to go and I have subdued Ahab. I want you to walk into the temple and I want you to sit down and hallelujah, go to it, boy, it's all yours. But God didn't do any of that. God sent him to the poorest. God sent him to the neediest. God sent us to the hopeless. God sent him to the pitiful. God sent him to the one that absolutely had but two sticks and enough meal and enough oil to feed one more meal. And God said, that is where I want you to go. Man, so Elijah goes. And a woman tells him the story. And he says, Make mine first. I, I would to God I could have been there and followed that woman as she went back in that kitchen. I wonder what went through her heart. Make, make his him first. I, I don't know him. Who is he? I ain't got but one boy. And we ain't got nothing. And what's my first? I told you this. If this was been the normal media of today, it would be something like this. Baptist preacher takes the last meal in all of a widow woman. About you, Dan. We told you the story. And comes. Because you see, he's wanting to impress upon him that not only can he take care of Elijah, he can take care of the widow woman too. And she does. And then he says, now ma'am, you go back in there, there'll be enough oil and enough meal for that cake of bread you need to make for your son. She goes back in there. She makes enough bread. And the next day, she does it again and again and again. The only way God can impress some of us that will give Him glory 
is he's got to let your brook dry up. Because the truth of the matter is, when the brook is filled, when waters are running free, and you can go out there and dip it up, guess what we do? We go dip it up, we say, mmm, I want some more. And we're never thankful. But when the brook dries up, and God blesses you, I'm going to tell you something. You, you begin being very impressed with God. It's been years. Oh my goodness, it's been, it's been years. It's been years. I, I remember when we started tithing. I, I didn't make nothing. That's no joke. I brought $58 a week home. They did take my trailer payment out, which was a blessing. But we brought $58 home a week. And, and that crazy preacher told me that I just needed to obey God. And guess what? I did. I took our tithe out, put it in the envelope. And remember, it was yesterday. And I, and I walked out the back door of the house and said, God, if you don't provide, we won't eat this week. Now, we probably would have been okay. <laughs> it's hard to, we would have been fine. But I'm saying, I said, we won't eat this week. And when I walked out the back door, God sent somebody in the front door. Somebody had owed me money. I didn't think I was ever going to get it. And they come by and they paid. And while, while I'm back there crying in a boo like you wouldn't believe, God's, a, God's a sending the money. And she's gone. And she walks out there and says, well, honey, God sent the grocery money in. And you know what? I thought, whoa, what a God. But God dried up the brook. God dries up the brook. I am convinced that God wants to so encourage us and God wants us to trust Him no matter what. Job said this, but He knoweth the way that I take. And when He tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Isaiah 48.10 Well, I refined thee, but not with silver, for I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. The psalmist said in 66 10, For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Got one story and I'm done. Chaplain, his name was Robinson, 1949. His grandmother was dying. And uh, the doctor told her, said, Sorry, you need a transfusion or your mother will be dead by morning. Her blood type was AB negative. Remember I said 1949. There was no blood bank. It was a rare. It was wartime. And so it was almost an impossibility. Finally she said, son, go home. So he gets his family in the car and he's heading home. And as he left the hospital in tears, gathered all the family members to say goodbye to their grandmother and and he told her by, and he's driving down the highway, and he passed a soldier hitchhiking home to his family. And the father had never picked up anyone, never. But for some reason, that day he did. He stops and picks up the stranger. The young man gets in the car, and he said, Sir, I, it's none of my business, but it's very visibly you're upset. Your family's all back here weeping. What's wrong? He said, well, my mother's in hospital and she needs a transfusion and, and the blood is so rare they can't even find it. It's, it's AB negative. And immediately, the soldier reached up and pulled his dog tag off 
and he had his blood top on it. He reached up and to him and said, Sir, I'm AB negative. If you'll take me back to the hospital, I'll gladly give her what she needs. They went back to the hospital. And sure enough, he did just that. Robinson's grandmother lived until 1996, 47 years later from that time. And no one in the family ever knew what the soldier's name was. See, you never know when God dries up a brook for the sole purpose to bring someone or something in your life with a special mission and a special work that God says, won't you be impressed with me? God says, won't you impressed with me? And the longer I go this path, I've had enough brooks to dry up along the way. I'm telling you, he knows where the water is. He knows the next step. He knows what job is. He knows, he knows what you need. He, he's not, he not catch him off guard. He knows exactly where you're at. Is your brook drying up? Maybe today it's getting thin. It ain't dried up yet, but it's thin. Is the brook drying up? Has it dried up? Let me ask you, are you trusting him or are you trusting the brook? Would you trust him? He's going to inspect you to see, are you real? Will you quit God if he didn't bless you? When he's already done the greatest work, he mined a cross called Calvary and died for you. Here tonight, will you let him impress you? Let's all stand to our feet.